All right. So if you guys need a solution to help improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department, GraphX Source offers industry-leading outsourcing options for your shop. And it really becomes a, a part of your team. Campus Inc., you guys are at, what, three? Three artists now? More or less? Four? Five? Four. I don't know. <laughs> Four plus artists <laughs> open in the art department. Um, so when it comes to steps, mock-ups, creative art, order management, digitizing, customer service, there is no better solution in the industry. They got 30 plus years of experience. Make sure to mention Printavo Pod 2.4, Printavo Pod 24, and that gets you half off your first vector, SEP, or digitizing order. Thanks, Graphic Source. Uh, Bruce, I don't know if you ever remember cleaning dirty screens, if that was part of your past or not. I'm pretty sure you just threw away the screens and got new ones, but you shouldn't <laughs> spend all day cleaning dirty screens. Easyways line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. At Campus Inc., we use 701 and 842. They're our favorite chemicals. Um, and if you value a company to help you with the how-tos, best practices, and questions, Easyway is there. Give them a go. They work with over 100 distributors, uh, and they are the easiest way. Thanks so much, Easyway. Multicraft Daddy. All right. Step one, open up Instagram. Step two, type in multicraft underscore daddy. And step three, hit message. Because if you send multicraft daddy a message, they were they are sending out PMI tape every single week to people to test it and just to be an awesome distributor and partner in our industry. Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies have been Supplying our industry for over 50 years with top brands at competitive pricing. You can mention the Printable Pod and that gets you an extra 10% off your first order as well. So that's for the date. That's for Dave and the team over at Multigraph. I appreciate you guys' support. Great. Supercolor is the world's best heat transfer. Made for screen printers by screen printers. They understand the pressures and expectations of a screen printing business. And that's why they pride themselves on being super fast and super easy. Um, throughout the cold holidays, we've had a lot of premium products come in. And there's nothing I trust more than using a Supercolor transfer on a North Face jacket. Yep, that's right. Um, their products are made for everything. And uh, if you ever need help, you can reach out to them because they answer super quickly and they're fantastic. So experience them for yourself. Use promo code PRINTABO15. Get 15% off your first order. Thanks so much, Supercolor. We got Rich, Santo, Carlo, Oviedo. Yeah. You did right. it. You got it. Um, we did an amazing shop tour video with you guys at Culture Studio and uh, very well received because of the size of the business. If you could just give like like a couple minutes of Culture Studio, it's unbelievable going there. It's like two locations, Florida, Illinois, hundreds of people, you know, maybe a hundred thousand square feet plus just all of that. Give, give us the numbers. Yeah, I could give you some numbers. Um, you know, the Chicago location is 50,000 square feet, but will be 100,000 square feet by the end of Q1. And then our second location is in Daytona Beach, Florida, which is 80,000 square feet. So yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of power. Hell of a lot of presses. I don't even know how many. 20-something presses. Uh, I've been saying 22 for a yeah, while, but uh, something like that. 
each facility runs two or more shifts all year long. We go to three shifts uh, in the summertime, uh, 300 and some odd team members and, you know, just nonstop production power. Just cranking out tour merch. With, with something that big, and you guys have grown into that in the last like, couple of years, you added Daytona and you're building out second Chicago. How closely are you monitoring sales to make sure the sales can support it? Because you're spending millions and millions of dollars to build this, right? Like those are yeah. huge decisions. And that's what we're out here doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we came here straight from being out last night. We haven't even gone to bed yet. <laughs> I haven't even saw the hotel room yet. But uh, I haven't checked in yet. Yeah, I mean, sales is drives everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, without sales, we have nothing. We're blessed to be in the music industry, and you know, it's it's a beast in its own right. So. You know, we're lucky to lean into the clients. The clients have their own growth and really just lean on that. Um, and that's what you guys really focus in on and are specialized in, it seems, the music industry, yeah. the crazy last-minute deliveries. Uh, one of the funnest stories from a previous episode we did was a private jet, something about a private jet. If you could just retell that, I think that's a fun one. Well, we had one last night, oh, unfortunately. Yeah, we can do that last night again. Yeah. So... Last minute, uh, Justin Timberlake, we had to put someone on a jet yesterday, hand deliver, fill up two hockey bags full of merch because the weather in Chicago is horrible. It was, you know, 20 below, everything is getting canceled by an O'Hare. Um, so we had a critical flight that was supposed to take the merch. They canceled the flight. So we had to put a, a passenger and uh, you know, Uber directly to the show and got it there. Justin Timberlake's team calls at what time needing this stuff? And when was yeah. it, uh, like, you know, I'm assuming it got there on time, but like, how fast was that turnaround? Well, we got the approval to print uh, 3 p.m. yesterday. So, <laughs> 3 p.m. <laughs> for a uh, one-time yeah. show. <laughs> what was it? Well, uh, doors, doors, so 3 p.m. the day before, but it's a huge print. It's over the pocket. It's got all the bells and whistles. Um, so, yeah, it was less than, 20, less than 24 hour turn. And how many? 3,000 units. But whatever it could fit, not two hockey bags. Yeah, uh, the, the <laughs> worst part about it is we took the boxes to Custom Critical, yeah. but they said that they were damaged. So they took them off the flight. So they loaded them on the flight, and then the box, they said the boxes were damaged when they got on the plane, and they offloaded them off the plane. So they rejected them. And so then we had to book another flight yesterday. Okay, you just talked about like <laughs> crazy bells and whistles. The crew neck you're wearing right now has how many different Print placements. This is a, I think it's 11 positions. 11 positions. Yeah. That's how he got in. He didn't register for the show. So they just saw I, this yeah. shirt that he had on. They're like, I give him like, a badge. You could sell him a printer. Look how positions Yeah. I so have right some of the printing you got, you guys do is like super technical. All the hard stuff. Um, how do you guys even start to price something like that? Like, do you pitch that to the artists? Like, I would never in my wildest dreams tried to do what you're wearing right now. How does that conversation start? How do you guys price it? Like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Close one eye and see, see how much we can charge for it. <laughs> okay. No, we, um, I mean, something like this comes from the artist. It's designed, it's through product development. And um, I mean, the good thing about something like this, it's a custom garment. It's a wash down. And then it has 12 positions. Um, I think they were selling this for over 250. So the price point that they're selling it for is much, much higher. It's much higher perceived value. And actually more valuable. So how long would something like that take to print for you guys? 
I think our brother Joey's out there somewhere. Uh, we got to go ask yeah, him. Yeah, we have. It's very long. It's, is, is he? It's forever. It's embroidery and screen printing. So it's had to come off the press eleven times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, yeah. It, and they ordered it yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Forty-eight hours. Right. <laughs> it was fast to him. That's incredible. Hot, okay, business-wise, 2023, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. You know, some flat, some down, some up. How'd you guys end up? Yeah, we had a, another significant growth year. We grew 65% uh, from, from 22 to 23. So, uh, you know, hopefully that growth can continue. I mean, from our perspective, the industry seems to be strong. Um, you know, merchandise as a whole keeps giving, getting bigger and bigger. And I mean, I don't know, depending what channel you put on, you know, there's doom and gloom channels all over the place, but at least from what we see in the industry, 2024 looks like a great year. And was that 60 plus percent growth from so much more demand? Were you guys just cranking and more efficient and you could do more outreach better? What, what do you think the majority of the attribution came from? I mean, we added uh, 150 team members in 2023, so, you know, we built out Daytona. It's a significant facility. We went to two shifts in 2023. So, um, I mean, I, th I think the demand is high, but we also built a significant amount of infrastructure. Built and that, capacity. yeah, that drove more revenue. Got it. So you feel like the demand was basically there. You guys were just tapped before. And now you can accept that work and process it really well. And that clicked it through. Yeah. Yep. Every year, capacity is the issue. Really? So then what are you guys doing on the sales side or the customer success side or like handling the accounts? Cause you, you obviously you're building a bigger ship, but you don't want these customers to go away. Yeah. What is, you know, it's, it's almost like the cart or the horse. How are you guys balancing the actual care you give to the customers? Cause you want to make sure that's good too. Yeah. We have zero sales team right now. I want to build a sales structure at some point. Hit up okay. our boy, Kevin. We brought on Kevin uh, Baumgart. Where's he at? I know he's out here. Kevin's in the back right now somewhere. So we're going to build some outbound strategy, but and we're blessed to, to have these accounts that just continues to grow year over year. But okay. account management. So when you say you don't have any salespeople, you still have account managers that are account receiving managers. all of this yeah, stuff. So yeah, we have the, the account manager framework is what we call it. Okay. And they're building relations. They're, they have that relationship with the client and they're the go-to internally. So And so all that, like we're talking, you know, Hot of sales, and you still haven't even started doing outbound yet. No, not not one cold call. <laughs> so we should. I'd in, like to. In a lot of shops we've talked to this year, they've said they've had a down year, right? Why do you think that's been different for you specifically? I I think one part of it is that we're a little bit of crazy, you know, and we want to get after it every single day, and so we just from day one we have the energy to go out execute, build value, add products, add services, and we're just hungry. You know? Who, who's crazier between the two of you? It's, it's <laughs> might be an even split on that one. The last four days have been a blur, but yeah. um, I think we're right there. We're, we're even, I think we're even there. No, I think, you know, like <laughs> our differentiator is that we're willing to lay it all on the field every single day. That's, the, that's like the only differentiator that I can say. Everybody else builds tech, everybody has green machines, blue machines, whatever. Um, but you know, the only thing that I say like from us is doesn't matter what day it is, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, we lay it all on the field every single day. I'm just trying to keep up with Campus Inc. I don't know if you guys heard of these guys, you know, just trying to keep up. Good one. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, on a more of a serious topic, there have been, the music industry is super cutthroat. And we give you guys a lot of credit because like Campus League, we could never work in the music industry, right? We can barely print a front and a back. So you guys are doing 15 positions. Recently, there have been businesses in the music industry that have shuttered, gone out of business overnight, laid off hundreds of people. And when we looked at them from afar, they were on cloud nine, they were selling, everything looked awesome. And then boom, overnight things happen. What are you guys doing in your company to make sure you're responsible? Because like that would be both of our biggest nightmares. Right. Is that real? Yeah. You, I mean, all, yeah. you know, we were, we've been talking a lot about that, you know, the last couple of days, you know, meeting with clients and they're like, yeah, there's what happened to this giant company. I, I mean, a hundred million dollars, some of, some of these companies. Um, and I think it, all of us wake up in that like cold sweat in the middle of the night and you know, it, it's pretty sad, I think, what happens to them. But I think, you know, the first thing that we do is we try to be highly financially, you know, strong. And we try to save as much dry powder as humanly possible. We try to have really strong bank relationships and ensure that, like, financially, no matter if we go up or down in, with sales, we have a really strong financial backbone for the company. Well, what does that even more specifically mean? So cash-wise, I hear shops talk about how much, you know, monthly should I have in my bank account? Is it six months? Is it 12 months? I mean, do you break it down more? Because obviously too much is silly. You as an owner should pull out and keep it or invest in something else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is many years in the making, you know, but I, I think not drawing on your credit line, being like highly financially thoughtful, um, I think is, is really important. And like, we don't risk it all when it comes to the finance side. When it comes to the sales side, we'll do anything. When it comes to client relationships, we just proved the last three days, we'll do anything. Um, but when it comes to the finance side, we're, I would say we're like as, as uh, you know, as pulled back as you, we don't make big bets. Huh. Are really low risk when it comes but to finance. They told us a big bet. I mean, you set up however many presses, a building, yeah, people. You're going flying back and forth all the time. I mean, I mean strategic. that was a multi million dollar bet. Yeah. How do you how 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 do you make that safely? I think, like when I say like we already had the business that was in place. You know, like we already had the financing in place. Like we weren't like going out and taking some crazy secondary loan or anything like that. The bank thought it was a good idea. Our CFO thought it was a good idea. Like we're like really calculated in those like those risks. So so I think what's interesting that you make a point is like sales comes first. Yeah. Right? And like the demand comes first. And I feel like sometimes earlier in business, we go buy things and then hope the sales come. And that's like super, super dangerous. Yeah. I guess, you know, as a company, how much were as you guys were growing and selling, how much were you outsourcing just to keep up versus bringing it in house? Because I think there's like there's a balance there. Yeah, I mean, well, we started subcontracting a little bit, but as soon as we started say, having to say no to clients, and there's an opportunity on the table, but we just couldn't do it because of capacity, and that just continuously happens. We're like, okay, there's a lot of missed opportunity. There's a lot of value we can add for the clients to be able to say yes. So. So what you're saying is, if, if I'm hearing this correctly, is like you guys were selling really well, getting a ton of demand, doing what you could in-house, outsourcing the rest. And then once you were comfortable doing that, you're like, okay, now we can bring now it back in-house. Yeah, now it's time. Right. And I think 
printers always get scared of contract and outsource, but really like it makes you flexible. And then once you know it's stable business, you kind of bring it back in, buy the presses, do all that stuff. That's a, that's a very mature thing to do. I feel like not a lot of people do that. Yeah. Mature. We'll take that. We don't get that very often. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that back. <laughs> the second facility in Daytona. Why, why do that? Like versus a Chicago plant that's closer by, it's easier to walk across the street. I'm assuming quarter yeah. ship. What, like, what was the thinking there? Uh, it's 25 below in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was first and foremost, you know, Water. like the weather, you know, like as, as simple as like, weather like as an answer it that really was like a big decision maker it's like florida is always going all year whereas chicago it really does shut down and so you know we thought if we built a second facility we would do it in a warm climate somewhere that's having events all year somewhere there's like concerts happening in chicago right now it's like negative four degrees so there's no concerts going on right now um so that was the first move and then yeah, just to service the East Coast. That was like the other reason. I want to talk a little bit about the working relationship between you guys and like, you know, Nick and Joey and stuff like that. Yeah. I think from afar, it's pretty cool to watch you all work because you all have your own areas of expertise. Can you talk about the division of that? Who oversees what? Because I think a lot of us are on an island and we think we have to do it all. But at Culture, I think a lot of it is, is the team camaraderie between your leadership. Yeah. I think that's part of why we're able to be somewhat successful is that there's four of us. I talk to a lot of business owners or um, people that have companies and they're trying to do it all by themselves. And that's hard. It's hard to scale at that point. But we all stay in our lane. We all do four different things, completely different. You're always the, the godson of screen printing. So he does everything te technique, machines. He can take th these things apart with his own hands. He's a, he's a machine guy. Um, Nick, logistically and product development, he stays in that lane. So we don't, we don't cross each other's paths and we just kind of do what we're good at. What, what are you two good at besides, besides entertaining clients? Entertain <laughs> That's, That's it, pretty, pretty much it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll also mention like, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to work with like your brothers, your best friends, you know, and like we beat the shit out of each other. Like we have a Slack channel that is ruthless. I mean, like uh, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, like nobody's feelings get hurt at all. Uh, but I thought that's like, what builds such an amazing business is that we can go so hard at each other and like, like I said, be ruthless, but then be best friends and go on a three day bender in LA, um, like right after that. So yeah. I think like working with your brothers and your family and best friends, like there's nothing better than that. I mean, it's like being on vacation, but you're working, you know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Have you guys ever gotten to a point where you didn't think it was going to work out? No, I can't say that we again, did you yeah, want to yeah, kill each other? Never. I mean, no. we definitely butt heads every now and then, but yeah, for I think the most part it's worked. Yeah. A lot of growth, a lot of positive things from last year. What do you feel like is something negative that's like, damn, we have got to get this figured out for 24? I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of success, but there's a lot of failures. You know, that's one thing we always say. We joke around and say, like, we, we're never short of trying things. We try and we, we will put our our best foot forward and we'll try different things and we'll make investments and try different techniques or different services. And sometimes they fail. Um, I mean, we tried to launch three PL, you know, do, do uh, inventory and ship directly. And we hired people on built software for it. And 
she couldn't figure it out. So really started, we started to pull back a little bit and just focus on what we, we call uh, own the category. It'll you know, be category pirates. So um, I mean, it's full of failures and trying things that don't work out, but I mean, there's a list of them. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that? You said, you know, 3PL fulfillment on demand, right? A lot of the industry is going that way. What do you guys do a lot of it? Do you not do a lot of it? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. We don't do any on demand. Um, just, you know, I, there's obviously a big market for it. There's, there's a huge market for it, but for us, it's like just stay in our lane, do what we're good at. Um, but we'll do uh, like drop campaigns, ship directly to the consumer. So we'll link into Shopify accounts and pull the data down. Um, so yeah, we do a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, I'll say like, we don't try to be all things to everybody either. You know, we just came from PPAI and we saw 25,000 people that could be potential clients. Um, and so like it, one would say like, why don't we have a booth there? Like, why don't we get into that business? But we try to be like highly focused on, we do high volume, we do really high end stuff, we do retail ready products, we do volume, we don't do volume and on demand and you know all these other things. Um, we'll try things, we'll pilot stuff, but we try to stay very much in our lane and not all over the place. I feel like as owners, it, it, you know, all of us are going through growth of different sizes and also that challenges ourselves like as leaders to be better and, you know, manage better, delegate better and do all these things. Are there things that you guys have done to help do that and level you up as, you know, executives is like, I don't know. We talk about coaches. We talk about, uh, groups like business groups. What do you, what do you guys do? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that we've done is Vistage. You know, Vistage was monumental. Uh, we had a, really an incredible chair. He was on our and board. What's that too, Vistage? Uh, Vistage is like a CEO group. Um, and they have uh, different levels, but we get together uh, once a month and it's for eight hours. There's a training for half the day. And then there's like, um, you know, like a processing time where you could process issues and so forth. But in our group, it was uh, 16 people and like 1.7 billion in revenue um, between those 16. So every month we would come together, we would do learning. And then you could say like um, workman's comp, you know, who are you guys using for workman's comp? Why is this complicated? So you'd like always had that sounding board and the education piece for us at least was very important. You know, we didn't get the opportunity to go to college. If we look back, we really should have. Um, but you know, going to Vistage and then doing that like constant learning, it makes you like a, a career learner. And also like, you know, there's something about like when you dedicate yourself to be a career learner, you approach situations differently. You know, rather than think that you have it all figured out, you're trying to learn and you're curious. Um, so Vistage, I think is number one, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's what I liked about Vistage. They would have speakers come in once a month and then you can, you can take those speakers and implement them in your business. So one, one may talk about pricing and one may talk about profitability and then you, you implement that into, into your business. You got that culture MBA. Yeah, there was a guy I, when I went to go visit you guys, there was a guy that was like some sort of coach type that you were talking to, too. Yeah, it was Joe Fife. Fife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, I, I would guess that you'd think he's about 60 years old, but he's 80. 
He great has, shape. Great shape. He's in great shape. He has a six pack. He's smart. He's incredible. I mean, to be 80 years old and still working is like monumental. Yeah. So, but what does he do? Does would he help? He's his coach as well. Yeah, he's yeah. like a business coach. He also would hold us accountable. Yeah. And if we said we we're going to do something, he would check up on us and follow up. And it's good to have boards, all those. Yeah. I think too, like when, if you don't have somebody that holds you accountable, then you could let things slip on your own. You know, for example, he, we came up with this idea that if when we hire people, we should get board approval. So we'll hire people like say, okay, we need five new team members, but we need board approval. So he would come into the meeting and Annabelle would say, oh yeah, we hired seven people, blah, blah. He goes, you hired seven people. Oh, did the board, do we approve that? Like, well, I, I didn't see an approval happen. And then I look at myself like, damn, you know, like, uh, yeah, that should have been approved. We, we didn't measure direct labor properly. And then, you know, now that declined. So we're throwing bodies on top of a problem rather than looking at the situation and analyzing how many people we really need. So he holds us accountable, basically. So, you know, talking about continuous education, learning, like as an entrepreneur, it's a pretty lonely thing, right? Like we won't work for anyone. We work for ourselves and we're expected to hold ourselves to some crazy level of accountability. How much, you know, should a shop spend on advisory boards, consultants, coaches? I mean, like we use them every single day, but I'm just like curious, was there a point in your business where you're like, we need coaches, we need mentors, we need advisors. And what did that cost early on to? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think from our perspective, like I said, like we're always trying to learn, um, you know, early on in 2008, we, we found ourselves, you know, just be like, career learners, you know, always trying to bring on top talent, always trying to associate ourselves with smart people. And, uh, you know, I think also like, you know, we didn't come from any special place in the world. You know, we have humble upbringings. And so, you know, we always tried to associate ourselves with people that did incredible things. Yeah. Um, so I would say there is no limit, you know, from whether you're one auto or, or a million dollars or a hundred million, you know, should be heavily investing in learning. Yeah. yeah. I look at it as like getting a trainer when you're going to the gym. Yeah. Right? You can go to the gym every day and work out, but if you pay for a trainer, they're going to get you there faster and they're going to hold you accountable to it. Exactly. I think that's something I was scared of early on in business because they throw out some crazy prices, right? Like, or say, I could do it myself. I could just yeah. do it myself. Yeah. Like to get a traction coach could be like five to 10 grand a day. Yeah. Implement it, yeah. Something crazy. But say you spend 30, 40 grand a year it's like a coach taking you to the gym every day, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I think that's something there where we always think we can just do it ourselves, do it ourselves, where we can do it ourselves. Right. Well, what coaches do you utilize now, Farrick? Um, quite a few, right? So we have like a fractional VP of sales, Kevin Baumgart. He's in the room. He's back there somewhere. Um, and I know you guys work with him really closely. Yeah. Uh, we're with like marketing coaches and like agency coaches to help us with our brand positioning and strategy. We'll work with like HR consultants. Uh, Bruce has like a really good one he uses to do interviewing and, and leadership training and stuff like that. And so we look at it as, uh, you know, bringing in experts to teach our teams to be better. Um, and once we adopted that, then we felt like we're like students every single day, which is, I don't know, it's humbling a little bit. Bring yeah, in I mean, pros when you can. I'll also add that if you bring in a consultant or somebody like that, it bridges the gap from the time you could hire somebody full-time. 
I, we used a intermittent like CFO, like a, a partial CFO for a long time. And then like, then you know, like you build into that. And then we hired one full time. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, like, it's like a good process rather than just jumping right into like a, a super high paying salary where you can go one fourth of their salary with a, yeah, yeah. So fractional. What you're saying is you might pay a premium. So even like a marketing agency or like SEO or a web agency, you're going to pay a premium, but it could be good for four months. Then you could be done. If it goes really well, hire someone to fill the role. Exactly. It's kind of how you guys have taken like your printing approach too. Exactly. That's super cool. Yeah. There was a post you made on LinkedIn about international expansion. Yeah. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that. Like it was something about Australia and shipping and tours and all this stuff. I'm assuming that have, plays well with Daytona. Yep. A shout out to our brother, Nick. He's out there somewhere. He handled that. Um, Did you get him a badge? Is he still at the front? Yeah, he's still at the front. <laughs> he hasn't made it in yet. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, I just got mine. Um, well, I, mean, I think there's a lot of value for the client when they only have to use one vendor, even if it goes overseas. So with us, they know our photo approval process. They know our account management process. And so we saw that there's a lot of opportunity when we're printing a design or a tour here and then taking it overseas or going to Australia, it's hard to replicate that print or sometimes even replicate the garments. So there was opportunities going over there and we're like, let's see if we can handle that production for you. So um, that's what's good about coming to things like this. You can, you can build your network. I know. So when you think about expanding to Australia, are you going there like and setting up a shop? Are you partnering with an existing shop that you trust a lot? Exactly. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, partner up. Um, so we're contracting now and then they'll actually handle the, the logistics for us too. So we're delivering straight to Sydney, Sydney stadium, whatever that is over there. Um, so yeah, it's relying on partnerships that we've grown. Carlo, I've noticed sometimes in some of the Facebook forums, you'll post like if anyone's looking to sell their shop. Yeah. And we talk about growth by acquisition or growing by buying. Can you talk about why you do that? What that strategy looks like? Some of the success you've had? Yeah. Sometimes that's um, if we're looking to build capacity and we're looking to build it in certain regions of the country, we'll reach out and see if anyone's interested. Right. So we'll have to build from ground zero, which we did in Daytona. And I don't know which one's, which one's harder. We haven't been able to get to the altar, you know? And, and do an acquisition. Um, and you could, you could probably talk more about that, but. I mean, I think it, it, it is definitely a goal of ours to do an acquisition, yeah. you know, at some point, you know, I think it's a great way to grow revenue fast. It's a great way to bring on talent, um, but it's, it's, it's complicated. To do the deal is actually, you know, quite complicated. Um, but, you know, I, we're, we're always kind of looking for the right fit. But, you know, the culture, of course, we chose that word, so it's got to be strong. Um, and if there's not a fit there, it, it seems really hard to integrate them. So although we're, you know, we've, we've gone to the altar quite a few times, we haven't quite yet gotten married. So um, we're, we're, we're still giving it a shot. We'll keep swinging. We swing. Why yeah. have they fallen apart? Just deal terms, evaluations, don't agree. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. I think also just like, are we going to be able to integrate together? Yeah, I think what, something that was amazing about building Daytona from scratch was that it is 100% us. It feels like us. We, you know, moved some of our best team members. I saw Carlos was here. He moved out there. And so, you know, like, it, it wasn't a different company. It wasn't Culture Studio Florida. It was Culture Studio. Um, and I think that, like, there's such authenticity to that. Um, and so, 
if if we did an acquisition, would it go the same route? I think that's the big question that we don't know. It's interesting. Okay. Um, you guys sent me a really cool box. It included a photo book, which was awesome. And I can't even one. You, did, you didn't send you, me one. You didn't get oh, no, no, check yeah. the tracking. Yeah. Check the mail. Oh, Nick, check, check the track. Yeah, yeah, it's lost. I'll file a claim with USPS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I got you. Um, They've been having troubles. Yeah. And the photo book is really cool. It's got all kinds of different prints you guys have made. It's on our coffee table now, so thank you. It, it also included a really cool mug you did and a card. And on the card, it was like a debit card almost. It had actually a number, and like, a, like an actual you know, credit or debit card, and it said membership club. Yeah. What, what's, what's the membership club and what's, you know, what are you guys thinking there? Yeah. I mean, you know, you would know better than any of anybody here, but like it gets old trying to force technology down the client's throat. Um, and, and so like, we're always trying to come up with unique, non-forceful ways to get them inside the platform. So the membership club was just like a, a, another great way to say, go to our site to do something. And for that, we're going to give you value, whether it's like free stuff or a decoration book or whatever, but it's about driving them back there at all times. So really like the ultimate goal of the membership club is to give them a reason to log in. I mean, I know all of us get like, you know, clients say, Hey, can you, can you send us the packing slip? And you're like, you literally can download it, you know, like hmm. log in and get the packing slip. Like how hard is it? You know, but so we're always trying to come up with like fresh ways to not say login, but yet say, oh, here's some value. Go to the site and get comfortable there. And it is, I think what was really cool, I saw it on Bruce's coffee table and I was just a little jealous, not too much, but. Uh, yours is definitely out of the way. Yeah, it's, it's been on the way, man. Yeah, it's yeah, super expensive. Chicago so. to Chicago, yeah. shipping's yeah. a long way. I'm gonna hand deliver you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it's like you, you, you created a coffee table book and now you're giving this to all your clients. When you open it, the artwork is incredible. It's all the high detail stuff that you do. And now you're embedding yourself into your clients' kitchen tables, right? Into their bookcases, in their office, right? And now Culture Studio Studios is on the wall. When did you start working on that project? How much did it cost? Like, it is really, really cool. Super expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, like, it's such a better, like, beautiful, elegant way to give somebody something or, or like deliver value rather than say, go do this, go do this, go do this. So, you know, that was like the ultimate, like high level thinking is like, can we deliver value? And in turn, we get what we want, which is to get them into the platform. Cause when we're there, we can show them new items. We can um, not have to resend tracking. You know, there's like all these great value ads that we get. So, what do we deliver in value to get them there? Yeah. So that was like, yeah, that, that book is a pitch too. Now, right. they, now they see that we actually can make books as well. So yeah, and all of your decoration sure. techniques, all the decoration like, techniques. Oh, I didn't know we could do applique. Oh, I didn't know you could yeah. do puff. Oh, I could yeah. do now you could do this. Serves as a pitch. Yeah. Super well done. Yeah. I'll also say that like, I feel in 2024 and, and beyond physical items are becoming more and more, you know, important in like a digital world where like, yeah, everybody's scrolling. I mean, like, you know, we are all at the airport recently and it's like just thousands of people scrolling and scrolling. And so like having like a physical item, I feel is like just catching more and more nostalgia. 
So I think we're going to continue like working on collectibles and unique items that, you know, isn't like a digital thing that just disappears. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for joining. Rich and Carlo from Culture Studio. You guys can follow them on Instagram. You can find out more info and you can listen to this episode. We'll post it online after. And you guys have a podcast too. Yes. Yeah. Second uh, best, third best podcast third in the Yeah, yeah. We'll give, yeah. They got some merchandise. It's the um, Search for Culture Studio. You can see a really cool stuff about merchandising. Steven was on recently as well. Probably the best uh, studio setup as well. Uh, it's good, good setup. Uh, yeah, it's, it's better now. Better now. We've upgraded it. So oh, we're sure. Yeah. 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 You gotta, we're going to have you guys back. Yeah. Sick. Sick. Thank you guys so much Thanks, for listening guys. to Print Out with Podcast. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully that was informative. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to hit the bell for notifications if you enjoyed this video. If you enjoy all the stuff we're putting out, it's really helpful. We love to just be able to see it. That means that we're doing a good job. To subscribe, hit the bell for notifications and hit the like button. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.